Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I practicing social distancing by doing a Skype call together. And uh, on today's episode, we continue our top 10 players from different franchises across the NHL. And uh, we will be covering the Colorado Avalanche slash Quebec Nordiques. We'll be happy to include a few of those on our list, some crossovers. And uh, if you haven't checked out any of our other top 10 episodes, go back, check those out. We've done, gosh, definitely about 70% of the league at this point. Uh, we'll be knocking more of these out. And if you have any unique top 10 lists that you would love to hear from us, uh, just send us over the ideas. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk as well on Instagram. And with that said, Justin, welcome to the show, buddy. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, there you go. That's the second time. I think last week we uh, or last time we did, you know, same thing. You get to eat every time. Welcome to the show. And you're so happy to be here. And it feels uh, great. With that, let's just dive right in. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche are a... Uh, an interesting team to do. They, they've had such a, I think that for people that are about our age, like mid thirties, we're looking at the Colorado avalanche and my mind just goes to this dominant powerhouse team from the nineties the and early two thousands. But in reality, the Quebec Nordiques before that, not much success in the playoffs and the Colorado avalanche post 2001 have not had an unbelievable amount of success in the playoffs either. Uh, kind of some dry spells, whereas they had this like five or six year period where they were just unbelievable. Uh, so it's it's hard not to pull a lot of players from that era from this team. Uh, but we'll we'll see who appears on this list. With that said, who is on your just miss list? Yeah, my just missed a uh, couple guys from the current era actually. Uh, Miko Ratanen and Gabriel Landeskog. Of course, I could probably throw in uh, all of Peter Stasny's brothers, but um, <laughs> uh, and then in addition to that too, I also have Ray Bork. Um, now, a guy that might have made some people's list. I've seen uh, a few people have him in their top ten, but you know, again, a season and a half. I, I know how important he was to that franchise when he came in, but. He didn't make quite the impact for me during his tenure to really say, okay, this guy warrants being in the top 10 versus the names ahead of him, I guess. Okay. So, yeah, that, that's my just missed. All right. Uh, my just missed, I have uh, Matt Sundin on my just missed. Uh, okay. Had really one unbelievable year for uh, for the Quebec Nordiques. Uh, but maybe their best draft pick <laughs> outside of like Joe Sackick. <laughs> Uh, and was traded away for Wendell Clark and really probably the worst trade they ever made. Uh, but uh, Matt Sundin, one of the best players, I think, to play on the Quebec Nordiques. Never really got a chance to play there for a super long time, uh, just a few years. Uh, and then I also have Miko Rantanen, who will probably get up on this list if he keeps playing the way he's playing and if he can stay healthy, but uh, he misses the list for me. Okay, not bad. All right. With that said, your number ten. Yeah, number ten was was a hard guy to to want to put in this list. Um, didn't have a super long tenure there. He only played two hundred ninety seven games, but that is Claude Lemieux, eighteenth in uh, franchise points. But the impact that he had while being a part of that franchise. I mean, we know the success he had while playing with the New Jersey Devils. Comes over and immediately just erupts. Probably, in my opinion 
the best rivalry outside of maybe Michigan, Ohio State, or Boston, you know, and the and the Yankees. I think between the the Avs and Red Wings of the '90s was just fantastic, um, and he was a big reason for that rivalry. I mean, we know what he did to Chris Draper, you know, uh, that one year, and it just it was the boiling point. And then the following year, obviously, we have had the brawls and the the exchanging of cups back and forth afterwards. So it was a it was a tone setter, and he. He could not only hurt you physically, but he he put up a few you know decent points, almost a point per game type player. Yeah, and uh, he he won. Man, guy won four Stanley Cups over the course of his career, and won a, won a Conn Smythe with New Jersey. Uh, yeah, he was a Detroit killer, that is for sure. <laughs> uh, he did not make my list. I understand why he's on there. He definitely has some, uh, I guess, nostalgic value, and he certainly was. He did spark that that great rivalry. I, th- I think that other things were also brewing under the, under the surface. Uh, but yeah, Claude Lemieux, excellent player. Uh, just too far down the list in terms of the full on impact over the course of his entire career, really played most of his career with uh, Montreal, New Jersey, and he played in Phoenix and <laughs> he played all over the place. Uh, yeah. I, I was going to say, you'll like this. Right now, if you Google Claude Lemieux and you just type in type in his name, but don't don't search it and let the things drop down, the first thing that appears is Claude Lemieux Turtle. <laughs> so, figured you'd like that. I think that was Brendan Shanahan beating the tar out of him. No, that was uh, Darryl no McCarty. McCarty, McCarty, yeah, McCarty. That's right. Shanahan yeah, Shanahan was, ended up going with Patrick Waugh for a quick second, and then of course <laughs> Vernon right. stepped in. So <laughs> that's right. Good old Shanny. Um, Okay, well, my number 10 is a guy who actually played on the Quebec Nordiques, and that is Michael Goulet, who every time I say his name, I think of Will Ferrell driving away in a sports car uh, doing his uh, Robert Goulet rap things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Michael Goulet had, I mean, geez, he had uh, 400-point seasons for the Quebec Nordiques, including a 122-point season along with uh, four 50-goal seasons in a row. Uh, one of the few players in history to do that. He had 49 and 48 in the other years, that in the, in the following two years. So almost six straight seasons of 50 goals. And uh, certainly not a guy who had much playoff success. He didn't get to play very deep into the playoffs. Uh, but you know he had one year, one year where they went to the, the conference finals, and he had 21 points in 17 games. So he wasn't, it's not like he underperformed in the playoffs. It's just the Quebec Nordiques ran up against better teams. And they, they were really never that great of a, of a team to begin with. But he did actually win gold with Canada a couple times in the Canada Cup in 84 and in 87. So I uh, had a nice career outside of the Nordiques. But uh, I think that Michael Goulet deserves to be on that list. He was a fantastic hockey player. Can't argue with that. All right, you're number nine. Number nine for me, Alex Tengay. Um, yeah, we know this guy um, had a l- very long tenure with the Colorado Avalanche, uh, although it was broken up into a couple different stints, right? He did end up playing nine nine years with them, uh, you know, 598 games played and nearly 500 points. But uh, for me, this guy was just uh, a great two-way a guy right he played alongside for most of his career with uh peter forsberg which 
is never a bad thing, but um, you know, he just he just was always he, anytime I look back and watch the Colorado Avalanche, like he was a quiet name behind guys like, you know, Forsberg and uh, Milan Hayduk and Joe Sackick, but he always just seemed to show up at the right moments for this team. And um, I think, you know, what he what he meant to this franchise in terms of uh, you know, a couple you know, you did get the, the Stanley Cup and he will he will ever be remembered for the guy that scored two goals. Uh, and that deciding game seven and and one against the Devils there. So, uh, for me, this was a guy that just honestly just meant a lot to this 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 team. And even though maybe he didn't have the point totals a guy like a Goulet may have had, his impact was was still felt on the ice. Okay, yeah, another guy that I don't have on my list. So uh, our lists are differing, and I like it. Uh, let's see if you have Adam Foot on your list because he is my number nine uh, for Colorado Avalanche players, a player who I would. I think I'd put in the same ilk as Alex Tenge, where he wasn't necessarily a guy who was like always the 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 pinnacle player. Like at different points, you look at like a Sandus Ozilinch was also there. Rob Blake played played with the Avs at that time. Uh, of course, Ray Bork was there for one of the cups. But Adam Foote was just kind of that steady stay at home guy. He he. Never put up huge points. I think his his best point season was 31 points. But this is a time where the stay-at-home defenseman was so important. Uh, he did also go and win a, a gold medal in 2002 with Team Canada. So uh, obviously a guy who was regarded as one of the top defensemen in the NHL. If you're playing defense on Team Canada, you're a pretty darn good defenseman. Uh, wins both Stanley Cups with the Avs. And, I, I think, and he also played for the Quebec Nordiques. Uh, for four seasons before that. So a guy who was just around forever. He left for a few years and went to the Blue Jackets for three, but then came back to the Avs, played another four seasons there. So uh, just essentially a lifer. And I think when you consider the way that the Avs played with such high level of skill, but that incredible grit and just the ability to, uh, to beat you in and along the boards, like you think of Forsberg and, uh, you think of the, like Milan Hayduke, these guys who could just use their body to create space, uh, and you throw Adam Foot in there. You always had to have your head up. You got Adam Foot or Rob Blake on the ice, and you could get destroyed at any point. Oh, there you go. Uh, all right, you're number eight. Yeah, my number eight, uh, speaking of lifers, this guy actually did spend his entire career with the Avalanche, and that is Milan Hayduke. Oh, perfect. Milan, yeah. He's my he's my number seven, so all right. we're, pretty, we're pretty close on those two. Beautiful. Uh, I mean, let's face it. This guy was was everywhere. I think he, you know, he played great, great two way hockey. Um, you know, he did get a, a few, a couple seasons where he did get some selkie consideration. But he actually, surprisingly, and this is just often forgotten, but he did win a Rocket Richard Trophy in o two o three with fifty <laughs> goals. Yes, he did. I I did forget about that until I until I looked at it. But yeah, that's uh, pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> Yeah, and you think about, I mean, I don't, I honestly can't remember outside of, I mean, I don't think there's been another Avalanche player who has won the uh, the Rocket Richard, you know, trophy. No, definitely um, Yeah, since it got, since it got put into place in 98-99, I don't think there's been a, a winner outside of Hayduke in Colorado, but yeah, I mean, again, a guy who, who spent his entire career with this franchise and obviously had a lot of success, um, 
you know, what he meant to this team on and off the ice. And I think there's not too much that can't be said that wasn't already said about this guy. And I mean, anybody who's been following this team for a while knows, knows this guy's name. You know, he's synonymous with, with Colorado, much like Patrick Waugh or Joe Sackett, maybe. Yeah, he definitely was, uh, cause he was there not for the, not for the first Stanley cup, just the second one. Uh, he, right. he was a, he was a rookie in 98, 99, uh, was was actually drafted in the fourth round in 1994. Uh, so it plays five years in the uh, Czech Extra Liga League and manages to come over and make a huge impact in the NHL. Uh, but yeah, that, that one season really stands out. 98 points, 50 goals in a time where 50 goals was unbelievable. Like 50 goals then was like scoring 60, 65 now. Right, and I mean, you look the the next year, the the Rocket Richard Trophy. You had Rick Nash, Kovalchuk, and Aginla all win it with forty one goals. <laughs> yeah, not not too many. Uh, so yeah, no, I would uh, Milan Hayduk is definitely the fact that he's a lifer is is pretty cool, and uh, always always was a, was a solid player. Like never, other than like his last year, you know, he and it was the lockout year. Anyways, he only played twenty nine games, had eleven points, but. Other than that, always put up good, decent point totals. Was always an impact player, and uh, yeah, I would definitely agree having him on uh, on this list. Uh, my number eight, though, I had him at number seven. My number eight is actually the current captain of the Colorado Avalanche, and that is Gabriel Landeskog. Okay, uh, he's actually sixth all time in points already. He's played six hundred and thirty three games, believe it or not. Uh, has played. Almost a hundred more games than Peter Forsberg has played. Wow, <laughs> uh, he's played more games than like, just so many of these guys that you'd think. Oh yeah, okay, they're synonymous with Colorado Avalanche. And Gabriel Landeskog has been there for a while. I mean, his his rookie season was what two thousand and ten with the with the Avalanche or two thousand eleven. Eleven. Yep. Has played every year since. So that's. Uh, I th- I think that he'll probably be a lifer there too. Like I would think that that would be their goal at least for his entire prime. And he's a guy that when all is said and done, you look at the way that he's been putting up points, where he sits sixth right now, and he's not too far off of uh, Alex Tenge. He's definitely not catching Nathan McKinnon anytime soon. But I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that when all is said and done, he's got more points than Peter Forsberg. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. I I think, you know, you look at this guy and he's, even though he plays a a physical, you know, bashing style of hockey, I I think he's still fast and smart enough now evolving with the NHL to where he doesn't need that as much in his game as he did when he was a little bit younger. And, uh, you know, he's been, he's managed to stay pretty healthy for most of his career. I mean, I think the least amount of games he played in a season outside of the lockout in 13 was 72. So that's, you know, that's fairly impressive on its own right. Um, but it's funny to me because when he came into the league at 19, I mean, he was immediately made captain of this Avalanche team. And they were, I mean, they were at the bottom of the league, but he won the Calder and they, you know, decided next year, like, hey, we're making this guy captain. And, uh, you know, if he if he does stick out his career there till you know, 40 years old or whatever, he could be the longest serving NHL captain on a single team ever. Yeah, it's true. All right. Uh, now to your number. Who's your number seven? My number seven, uh, a guy who came in on their second Stanley Cup, that's Rob Blake. Okay, Rob Blake, another guy who did not make my list. Yeah, I, you know what, 
when you, when you look at like high impact players, he was he was that kind of guy, right? Came in in the middle of, you know, 2000, 2001 and just literally brought a cannon of a shot to that blue line. I think, uh, you know, one of my my favorite moments is uh, when I can't remember what Stanley Cup it was, but he just ripped one right past or no, it was I'm sorry. It was the old one Stanley Cup final where he ripped one right past, uh, you know, Marty Brodeur. And he got paired with Adam Foote, who was another guy that just had a cannon of a shot. But those guys were at that time just like the shutdown pair in the NHL. I mean, they literally you couldn't you couldn't score a goal on those guys. And and the great thing was, is, you know, they had the opportunity to have Ray Bork on another pair. And it's it's like, man, if you don't if you can't score against these guys, now we got to go up against Ray Bork. It just it never worked out well for anybody. And, um, you know, he still managed to put up two, which was crazy. He put up some pretty decent point numbers. He did during Colorado. I mean, he could still put up 50, 40 points. And at that time for a defenseman, that was still still pretty good. And he uh, you know, that's why he always finished in the top five usually voting for the the Norris Trophy for his first few seasons in Colorado. All right. Uh, Yeah, Rob Blake, another guy, misses my list. Definitely no problem with him being there. Uh, But yeah, missed my list. And on to my... So that was your number seven. That was my number seven. On to my number six, a guy who missed your list, Ray Bork. Okay. Uh, I think the single most important player to... uh, to play for the Colorado Avalanche in terms of that, that 2001 Stanley cup championship. Uh, I mean, I don't think they win without him. I think he was truly the driving force. I know that he wasn't, I mean, he had, he had 59 points in 80 games in 2001. I mean, that's, that's a great season in and of itself. And he was, I mean, how old was he in that year? He was uh, 40 years 41. old, 41 yeah. that season. Uh, and uh, I mean, he, he put up good numbers in the playoffs too. Had ten points in the playoffs, four goals in the playoffs, uh, almost matched his entire season. He had seven in the regular season. Uh, just, I mean, that team lived to win a Stanley Cup for Ray Bork, and yeah. it, it was truly one of the most magical stories uh, of a player like going somewhere to win the cup that I've ever seen. Like in sports, going somewhere to win the championship, players rallying around them, him making such an impact, and in the fact that he was. So he was like definitely at the end of his career. He was older. He probably could have played again. You know, could have played another year. They might have won another cup if he had stayed, uh, but went out on top. Like how many players do you see? They retire on top. They they get traded somewhere and they like couldn't win it where they were at. Like, and not not to mention that, but he is like definitely top ten defenseman of all time. Especially yep, in terms of point. I mean, the guy has almost 1,600 points. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, for a defenseman. And over 400 goals for a defenseman is outrageous. Yeah, and you know what's crazier to me is the fact that, like, he goes in there in 2000, doesn't win a Stanley Cup his first year, right? So you think that driving force would kind of, you know, wear off, like, oh, crap, we couldn't get one for Ray. But he comes back again for another season, says, I, I still want a shot at this. And then they go out and do it. That was, I mean... That was a great moment when Joe Sackick doesn't even take the Stanley Cup and lift it. He just immediately gives it to Ray Bork and says, dude, this is yours. Like, take it and go. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, okay, let's go number five. Into the t- Oh, no, no, yours number six. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine. Uh, Adam Six, we've talked about this guy already, but Adam Foote, uh, defense partner with Rob Blake for quite quite a few seasons. And this guy just, again, another, another stay-at-home guy who was just at the top of his game when NHL scoring was down. I mean, he was a reason why scoring was down. He was just so rock steady back there and for me he just comes in at number six all right perfect 
Uh, okay, let's stroll into your number five. Number five for me, a guy with uh, little hardware outside of a Calder, but that is Peter Stasny. Um, He's also you know, my number five. You, all right, perfect. Yeah, you think of a guy who you know played his career with the Quebec Nordiques and um, you know sits second all time in points behind Joe Sakic. He's number five in games played, but uh, man, this guy could could just light it up. And he was there, you know, of course, during an era where goal scoring was up, but he came in the league just six straight 100-point seasons. I mean, he just just came in with, with a fiery blaze. And, Seven, and, and then uh, had a 77 points in 64 games and then went and got another 111-point season. Right. I mean, it, it wasn't until uh, it wasn't until 89-90, so what, nine years into his career that he averaged less than a point per game. Right, gets traded to a New Jersey team, which at that point we know started to just institute that shutdown defensive style, and I think maybe that could well, be were, part of the reason they why. They were pretty but, bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> I think that the year that he got traded there was the first year they made the playoffs. I could be wrong. Uh, I know that the – okay, I'm going to find this. Um, you go. You you keep rolling. Keep rolling. Go keep to your – Keep rolling. Go to your number. Uh, I know this is a Colorado Avalanche, but I'm going to look up New Jersey Devils stuff. Uh, since my five was Stastny, go to your number four. Yeah, my number four, a uh, guy who I'm hoping is on your list here, maybe in the same spot as me, but that's Nathan McKinnon. Um, I mean, we we know how good this guy is, right? He came into the league, and he was just an average 50, 60-point guy and uh, then just blew up the last few seasons, right? And he, to me, is a guy who – has the ability and talent, and he's still only 24 years young. I mean, this guy, honestly, when it's all said and done, I could honestly see him up there um, being the franchise's all-time leading point guy or could be pretty dang close to Joe Sackick anyways. I think the way he's he has the ability to to put the puck in the back of the net, he has the speed that I think he, he in my opinion, is a top-five skater in this league. And um, just he, he blows my mind every single night. I feel like every time I turn on – uh, Sportsnet or TSN, there's another highlight of Nathan McKinnon doing something unreal. And right now he's sitting, you know, at 495 points and he's only 24. So again, he's just got, you know, 1100 ish more points to go to catch Joe Sackick. And you, you got to think over the course of maybe 15 years, he has a real possibility of doing that. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. He actually is my number four as well. So that works out really perfect. <laughs> um, so I, I couldn't remember what year this happened in, but I can, I can tell the story. I know this has nothing to do with the Avalanche at all, other than the fact it does have something to do with Colorado because the New Jersey Devils did used to be the uh, the Colorado Rockies, right? So so this ties in, you know. We can uh, we we can we can have our fun, eat our cake and <laughs> have our cake eat it too. Um, so eighty seven eighty eight was the first year the New Jersey Devils made the playoffs. It's the final day of the regular season. They're tied with uh, the New York Rangers for the final playoff spot in the division. And uh, New York beats the Quebec Nordiques 3-0. The Quebecs, they're the uh, the Devils. They have to beat the Chicago Blackhawks to make the playoffs. They're trailing 3-2 in the third period. And uh, John McClain ties the game. with with I think with the goalie pulled. I can't remember if that, that was with the goalie pulled. You go to overtime, the Devils, are, it's, it's overtime, right? There's like two minutes left. The Devils cannot tie in overtime. They'll, they will, they'll miss the playoffs. 
They pull their goalie in overtime and they score the winning goal and make the playoffs for the first time ever. That's crazy. It, it is crazy. If you can go back and if you can find the find the, the YouTube video of it, it's pretty epic. Uh, but that's uh, got to be the best, like, I scored and made the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I, I'd say that that's even better than when the Flyers and the Rangers were in that shootout together and whoever won the shootout made the playoffs. Yeah. That was pretty good, too. That was a good one. Uh, okay, well, here we are. Top three Colorado Avalanche of all time. Um, I'm betting that you're a goalie is in this top three for you. I'm betting it's probably in there for you as well. Uh, well, my number three is a goalie. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say my top three all in a row. And then I want you to say your top three and then we'll, uh, we'll go at it like a bunch of, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to go at it. Like wildebeest. There, there you go. go. Uh, my number three is Patrick Waugh. My number two, Peter Forsberg. Number one, I think you're insane if you don't have Joe Sackick as your top avalanche Nordique played on both franchises, all time, everything. Uh, that is my top three. Who's in your top three? It is exactly the same as yours. Okay. Well, we'll see you later guys. <laughs> I mean, okay. So let's, let's just roll in there. Number three, Patrick Waugh, right? We know the guy to me, it's funny. We, we just did a Montreal Canadiens top 10, and he, he makes both of our lists there and then comes into Colorado and makes both of our lists here. And there's a good reason for it, right? We, we mentioned it briefly in our last top 10 that, you know, he was a big part of why the Canadians or the Colorado Avalanche won both their Stanley Cups. I, I think he did. Yeah, he did get a, a Consmite trophy. I can't remember what year it was um, off the top of my head. but Sackick? No, no, no. Patrick Waugh. I'm sorry. Oh, Conn Smythe Trophy was in uh, both both years. He won the. Oh no, I'm sorry. It was in uh, it was in 2001. He won the right. Conn Smythe. Uh, 1996 was Joe Sackick. That's what it was. Yeah. So um, yeah, Joe, you know, again, Joe Sackick. I mean, he only had uh, in in the playoffs that year. He he only had 34 points in 22 games. No big deal. Only <laughs> Eight, 18 goals. <laughs> Disgusting. I mean, you, you look at what he did in, oh, you know, 2000, 2001, only a 934 save percentage, a 1.7 goals against. He was a big, big reason why they won the Cup that year. I mean, sure. you had a lot of powerhouse teams like Dallas, Detroit. Well, New they Jersey, went against the that, Devils, who had won the Cup the year before. Yeah. So, again, you had you kind of had to play that shutdown hockey. And, I mean, they could still – Colorado could still put up a good number of goals on you. But he was – I mean – yeah, Patrick Waugh was just a beast and known for his Statue of Liberty save. And I'll tell you what, I still, still glad he was on that Avalanche team because, in me, in my opinion, he was the reason they got over that hump. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he, I, I still, I think that Peter Forsberg is the best player to ever play for them. But I think that Joe Sackick is the, like, in terms of talent, Peter Forsberg is the best player ever. Okay, but he just didn't play long enough. He was injury prone, and that certainly is a part of the game. I mean, he only played 544 games. Sackick played 330 more games than he did. Uh, so that's just you know, the, in terms of impact, and that doesn't even include his games as a as a Quebec Nordique, where Sackick played 508. So it's just <laughs> you know, uh, Peter Forsberg just didn't play long enough to overcome Joe Sackick, but he he averaged almost 1.3 points a game as an athlete. That's insane. 
705 points in 544 games. This is magical. He averaged almost an assist per game, .925. (laughs) That's crazy. I mean, yeah, you look at, right, Peter Forsberg, you talk about the the health factor, right? I mean, we, we saw it, and that's why... He honestly didn't last very long in this league. I mean, he he did play till he was, you know, he played till he was 34. Then took, you know, had to take those couple years off. Came back and only played two games before he had to ultimately retire at the age of 37. But he never once had a outside of his his second year in the league at 22 years old. He never once played a full entire season. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it's one of those like what might have been if you had been healthy. What would have what would have your your career looked like? Um, one other yeah. thing about Joe Sackick, he does hold a record, a National Hockey League record, and uh, that is most playoff overtime goals. That's true. He is eight of them. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> eight playoff overtime goals spanning 12 years. That's pretty good. That's pretty dang good. I mean, not to go along with, I think, gosh, that 96 cup, he had six game winners. In that, wow. on that stretch of twenty-two games, I mean that's just phenomenal. Um, it's the fact yeah. that like Maurice Maurice Richard has six, so he is the second most. Uh, two guys have five. One is Patrick Kane, and then there's a bunch of guys with four. Wow. So I mean nobody's even cl- like nobody's close to him. I mean, Patrick Kane's the only one who's who's even close to him, and uh, he's not making the playoffs anytime soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which speaking of which, I mean. I know we did talk about this in our last show that we wanted to kind of touch on this, but you know, how is the you know how do we think the the NHL season's gonna gonna fare if it starts back up? How do we how do we go about deciding playoffs? And you know what you know are we gonna stick with the same format? Are we gonna try something different here? I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So that's our top ten. <laughs> Avalanche, right. let, let us know what you thought. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk as well as Instagram. Um, yeah, my I, I have heard this like twenty four team play in thing being tossed around where like the teams outside of the playoffs will all like a bunch of them will all play in. Uh, my preference, you know, looking when you look at the NHL standings and you consider who truly is like who's truly a contender to make the playoffs, also like what's the statistical chance of some of these teams making the playoffs? I think that Outside of uh, Minnesota in the West, uh, no one, no one else is making the playoffs. I just, I don't think the Arizona is, is, is there. And then same in the, in the East. Uh, I guess you could, you could say that. Yeah, you've got Florida, who maybe, who maybe would deserve to be in there. But I think that you know, just where you fall, I don't know. They, they would have to get everybody played seventy games because everybody, you know, you all play seventy games, so you have to find a way to to get everyone to be equal amounts of games, I guess. I guess some teams have played 71. So uh, I think you just look at the, maybe you look at winning percentage or like points percentage and just use that instead. But I think you just take whoever the two teams are right outside the wild card. You make them play the teams in the wild card and you go like right now, Carolina would play the Rangers. Columbus plays the Islanders in the West. Winnipeg takes on the wild and Nashville plays Vancouver. And the, the winner of one play-in game makes the playoffs, and then we just go with it the rest the the way that it is the rest of the way. Yeah, like, I would agree. Actually, I love the idea of a 
just a one game playing series among the the four closest teams you know there in the in the wild card spot and um, I would actually suggest too because I do think maybe it might be a little bit longer than we think before things start back up I think you know maybe you save you know a few days a, a week maybe by having that first round playoff that first round series just being five games like the AHL mm. instead of seven like normal mm-hmm. yeah I can I could see that too uh, my my guess is that nothing actually starts until early May okay that that that's my that's my best guess just based on like you know we've got the cdc saying they don't want no one should uh should be in groups of 50 for eight weeks and that was last week so if you count one two three four you know (laughs) five six seven eight that's that's into may so i i think that that's probably the realistic timeline i also think that there's a chance that some of these games are uh just played with like a camera crew that they're not going to play with uh they're no not going to play with fans at first and that's unfortunate but would we re- like I guess you have to figure out with these owners like what's what's the ideal because at this point you would have already lost all any extra revenue from the regular season which is you know probably approximately 5 home games per team and you can figure out a way of like kind of making it fair the teams that had a lot of home games left probably you're, you're taking a, a pool of money and you're splitting it equally so that everybody gets those gets that money. But uh, I think you just kind of have to take your licks at this point. I, I don't know how you can just go in and start playing regular season games again. I, I think you just, but at the same time, do you really want the first game back to be a play in game a, a winner takes all first time we've played in like seven weeks? Yeah, but I, I guess on that point, though, you, you do have a level playing field for everybody, right? I think for those four teams that true. maybe play, you know, you're you're not having one team that's coming back and others that's like, for example, those week off periods that every team has. Sometimes when you come back, man, you're just you, you take a few games to get get going again. And um, that I mean, won't be the case here in this situation. But uh, a week off yeah. is a little different than two months off in quarant- right. in quarantine. That's the other thing is that these guys aren't able to skate. That's, sure, yeah. that's the tough part. Uh, I do think, however, that there's a chance that we may, it might take, it might take a few games, but we might have the best playoffs that we've seen in a long time because every player is going to be completely rested. Like they're basically yeah. getting almost a summer off <laughs> in terms of time. So everyone's going to be completely rested. A lot of guys that, Hey, there were players that were out for months and those guys suddenly, they're fully recovered and healthy and ready to go. So hardly any teams are going to have major players down for the count. So everybody's going to be healthy coming into the playoffs. And man, I, I think that it'll be, it'll be really fun if, you know, if we get to the point where we can play some games here, uh, we'll be, we'll be looking at a pretty interesting and fully healthy national hockey league playoffs. Cause sometimes yeah. it just ends up being a game of attrition. Whoever has the most healthy, good players wins. But I don't think that'll be the case this year. So there's at least that. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think, you know, you, you look at the team we just did a top 10 on the Colorado Avalanche, right? You know, Kadri, McKinnon, these guys are were all, you know, injured. And they had a huge IR list. And, you know, if they somehow, you know, just start the playoffs right away and don't have to do any regular season games, this team, you know, lucks out and they, they don't slip because of all these injuries or maybe don't fall to third. And so now they've secured that home ice, you know, at least for the first round. And, 
you know, come in healthy and ready to go. And that would be, like you said, just, that'd be real exciting. Yeah. I think, who do you think is the team that's going to get the most screwed? I think the Florida Panthers, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I look at them. They're they're point outside of being in that that top four wild card spot. I don't know, but they of, but they they have they haven't played that, like the Rangers have played that extra game. Yeah, so I mean, if you if you take win percentage, right, then you can you can go by that margin, I guess. Um, but I think if you just take straight up points, um, maybe even if you look at regulation wins, obviously the the Rangers have a few more. Um, I, I obviously we don't know what the NHL is going to do, or maybe what their tiebreaker would be, or how they would judge this sort of thing. But you know, obviously, I think Florida sitting at number five in the wild card spot. If if they did go off straight off points right now, they would be the team that I could see being most pissed off about this. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. All right, well, we'll keep monitoring the situation, but uh, until then top tens coming at you if you have some other ideas for uh, some cool top tens it doesn't have to be teams could be uh oh we should start doing some international international top tens that would be fun Ooh. too uh we'll, we'll start tossing those in there too uh until then stay safe keep your distance don't go coughing on grandpa and uh we will talk to you guys very soon enjoy enjoy